0: Welcome to Launched. I'm Charlie Chapman, and today I'm excited to bring you the creator of the awesome Shortcuts Utility App Toolbox Pro, Alex Hey, Alex, welcome to the show hi man thanks for having me on yeah no i'm really excited to uh have you on and before we really get into everything i just want to call out uh we're recording this about a week and a half before i plan on releasing this which is normal uh but with everything going on right now with the coronavirus i feel like we're bound to say something that's comically out of date uh so (laughs) (laughs) just a heads up on that uh if you're wondering why we're not you know uh talking about the fact that apple has discontinued the iphone indefinitely or whatever catastrophic thing awaits us uh
1: but you already know about listener uh that would be why uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a prime po- podcast recording time isn't it with yeah. the, uh, self-isolation going on yeah it's
0: weird i mean obviously in radically smaller terms but i did have the feeling uh of like i don't know if you've ever gone back and watched the like episodes of different live shows especially comedy shows after 9-11 because you know they all like canceled for a week or something like that and then they all have yeah, to come back and address it and specifically like that john or not john oliver uh it was john stewart right right have you ever seen that one
1: no i don't think i have actually no
0: it is it's like heart-wrenching because you know he has to do a comedy show and he's a pretty good you know speaker in general anyway but uh mm. yeah it's it's wild uh listening to that so obviously <laughs> this is radically on a different <laughs> scale <laughs> uh, yeah let's hope so. <laughs> Well, I meant in terms of the uh, the show and audience size. Uh, although, right, you yeah. know, we're basically as important as Jon Stewart was in uh, the 2000s. But. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's getting there.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're right on the cusp of uh, breaking into the mainstream. Uh, but anyway, so normally we kick off the show with a little icebreaker question from the audience. And so today's is from Dan uh, Gaither. I'm, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. Uh, and he asks... What's the first thing you remember wanting to be
1: whenever you grow up? Oh, man. Uh, God, that's a good question. Uh, I think the first thing that springs to my head is probably when I was about five years old, um, I really got into collecting rocks and stones. Um, and I would tell everyone that I met that I wanted to be a geologist. Oh, man. Um, yeah, so I was, I was, like, collecting those sort of geodes that you crack open and you find all the sort of crystals inside. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that sort of persisted for quite a long time, I think. Uh, I'm not quite sure when that fell away, but at some point I decided that uh, geology wasn't my forte, <laughs> so I never
0: pursued it. So one of my co-workers on my team, one of the people who's taught me the most about Objective-C in particular, uh, was a geologist. And, like, that is what he did, was uh, measuring, or, like, tracking rock formations and i think it was mostly for like oil companies or people that wanted to understand what could potentially be underground in certain areas so oh man that's amazing yeah he was using like mac pros like he taught himself programming because he was using mac pros to run these like insane models uh to like model the movement of rocks over you know millions of years or whatever and try and predict where there might be like an oil swell
1: or something like that so yeah, it's it's a fascinating profession. Yeah, I feel like that might be um slightly more lucrative than what I do now, so maybe I should have <laughs> gone that route
0: instead. I don't know. I think it's uh it's one of those things that's very fun, but probably hard to find a good job on. Uh because now he is an iOS developer, so Oh well, wow. he, he came crawling back then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Anyway, so yeah, cool. Thank you, Dan, for that question. Uh, if you have any questions you'd like me to ask a future guest on the show, you can tweet me at LaunchedFM with the hashtag Icebreaker, and I might ask a future guest on the show. Uh, so before we get into your app, Toolbox Pro, I kind of want to give everybody a primer on who you are. So the three questions I always ask everybody is, where are you from? Uh, do you have any formal education related to you know, developing iOS apps? And what was your career like pre-Toolbox Pro or even now?
1: Sure, Um, so I mean I I live in London at the moment Um, as you can probably tell from my accent Um, but I grew up in uh, south of England uh, and I travelled to France, lived there for about three years Um, and I'm not from a computing background at all uh, in fact I was like terrible at maths in school I was always on like the um, the B stream I'd never get good grades in maths so <laughs> sort of programming and that sort of stuff was never in, on my horizon at all um, I was sort of mostly interested in uh, English language I suppose and sort of writing and acting that sort of stuff so I ended up studying uh, drama with film and TV studies in Wales uh, which is about as far away from iOS development as you can get I think <laughs> Um, but when I went to uni, I actually had a iBook G4 was sort of the laptop for my first Mac that I took with me. And that really sort of got me into the world of Apple and Macs and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I think when I was sort of on that course studying film and TV, I really sort of found a love for video editing um, and sort of documentaries especially And when I came out, that's what I started pursuing. Um, And so, professionally now, that's what I do. I'm a sort of uh, documentary video editor. So, I make sort of broadcast documentaries for British TV mostly. Um, So, my app, Toolbox Pro, is very much a sort of side project. So, I've got no formal training at all with um, any sort of like computer science or programming or developing. It's all all sort of – I've just been learning it over the past year, I suppose,
0: So I'm really, really deeply fascinated in the documentary editor uh, side of you because like that when I was a kid, that was not necessarily documentary editing, but editing or uh, anything in movie making or anything like that was really like that was my passion and sort of has been even up through now. That was always what my side hobby was, uh, even though I ended up going into programming. And so one of the things I'm curious about is like, are there things that. When you started doing software development or building apps, that you felt like there was this interesting crossover between like the skill set that you have from editing, um, that you could bring over into like building and designing apps?
1: Sure. I mean, actually, they sort of, um, I think they sort of scratched the same itch for me. Um, with editing, especially, it's sort of very left and right brains, um, focused because you're, you have to have, be quite sort of technically adept um, in terms of, you know, um, handling that much footage. You might have a few hundred hours that you have to sort of boil down into an hour um, in terms of sort of knowing all the shortcuts and understanding these quite sort of technical programs. Um, and then there's also this sort of creative side, which is, you know, actually telling the stories. Um, and I I always find when I'm working on a job, if I'm sort of not creatively fulfilled, uh, which doesn't, you know, it doesn't happen that much, but sometimes you, you end up working on a, a job that doesn't work out for whatever reason. It just ends up being a bit of a slog. But those sort of jobs, I always, um, find that I have to have a sort of different creative outlet. Um, and for me, I think the sort of app development stuff is, has very much been that. Um, so with the sort of app developing, it's got that similar feel to editing for me in that, um, it's obviously very technical in terms of the whole coding side, but there's that real creative side as well, where you're starting with a completely blank slate um, and you're sort of pulling this thing out of your brain and trying to build it into something that people actually like. Um, so for me, they, there is sort of quite a lot of overlap with them. In terms of technical skills, there probably isn't um, because you know the, they're so sort of different uh, in the world. I suppose when I was an assistant editor, um, I had to learn a lot of Apple script, um, just because you're, when you're processing, you know, loads of video files or whatever, um, you want to like automate as much as possible if you possibly can. Yeah. Um, so, s- some of that um, scripting, I suppose, sort of stuck in terms of just learning the real basics. Yeah. I feel like, like,
0: because I was always into like motion graphics and After Effects and stuff. and. Whenever I started taking my computer science courses in in college, uh, and learned about like object oriented programming concepts and you know how variables and all that stuff worked, that was when it finally really clicked for me why like pre comps and After Effects were important. How you can sort of componentize uh, something that's really really big and complex, which That's the part that always blows my mind about documentaries Is like the amount of footage And unorganized footage at the beginning uh, That you have to somehow distill into Something that your brain can comprehend Um, Yeah But like I, I feel like the programming side Is what like formed my brain in a way where I could start comprehending how you're
1: supposed to tackle something that big on the the motion graphics side. Yeah, I suppose um, uh, with sort of documentaries, because you have so much footage, you have to get really, really good at sort of um, remembering where all those sort of assets are, um, remembering all those sort of good uh, clips and being really good at sort of pulling those out and putting them into a sort of really organized um workspace i suppose so some of those skills definitely carry over um i mean if you look to my xcode project for toolbox pro i'm not sure um you probably agree that all those uh, <laughs> organizations carried over but it's uh, it sort of makes sense in my brain
0: <laughs> now with your documentary stuff are you usually working with a team or is that more like singular and then you
1: show somebody and they ask for changes and then you kind of go back on your own and do your own thing um so the way it works for sort of single documentaries uh, it tends to be me and the director who will sit in a you know it tends to be quite a small little edit suite uh, for about 6 to 10 weeks um and between us we sort of craft the film essentially if i'm working on a bigger series um then the teams tend to be bigger and i'll be working with uh, what they call a post producer so that's someone who will be looking at transcripts of all the interviews um, they'll be watching sort of the bits and pieces that I've cut and given me feedback. Um, so it's sort of a very creative, collaborative process together um, to create something that we then show to the sort of bosses. Uh, and then they will give us feedback and then we'll send it to the channel and they'll give us feedback. So it's, it's sort of one of those like ongoing processes, I suppose. But it is quite collaborative.
0: Hey, Charlie from the uh, less distant past. A couple of days ago, John Sundell of Swift by Sundell fame tweeted that for a couple of weeks, he was going to switch the ads that he runs on his blog over to free promotions for indie developers who are struggling right now with the big drop in sales uh, and income due to the craziness that is the coronavirus stuff going on right now. The response he got was really big, and it was so big that he opened it up for others to join in. So for the next couple of episodes, I'm going to be promoting an indie app on the show. So... This week's episode is dedicated to Pennant, the ridiculously easy and fun way to keep track of sports standings throughout the season. Anybody who's listening to this that knows me personally is probably rolling their eyes right now because they've heard this pitch before. I love this app, and let me tell you why. I'm a big St. Louis Cardinals baseball fan, um, but since having kids a couple years ago, I haven't really been able to keep up with games the same way that I used to. So, unlike other sports apps, Pennant's primary screen, whenever you open the app, is just a big bar chart showing all the current standings for each team in a given league, broken up by division. So, at a really quick glance, I can see that, yes, my beloved Cardinals have a nice lead over the Cubs, and whoa, Baltimore is doing really, really bad over there in AL East, and holy cow! Houston is way ahead of everybody else. How do they manage that? Uh, I have my theories. So, the thing about this that I just cannot get over how much I love is how, despite the fact that I can't watch every game like I used to, uh, I can really, really quickly open this app and just see, like, New York's doing amazing this year. Uh, And Denver is doing really bad this year and my Cardinals are ahead or behind or whatever. And I can just see at a glance exactly what's going on. And I just absolutely love it. Now, I've been using this app for years to follow baseball. But last year with the newest iOS release, uh, the app was completely rewritten with the ability to add more sports. And since then, American football, basketball, hockey, and soccer have been added, which is really awesome, especially that last one, as we're about to get an MLS team, which I'm very excited about. Now, I know what you're thinking. Uh, All sports are canceled right now, and the last thing I need is an app to track them. But that's exactly why I thought this was a good app to try and give a boost during these crazy times. So here's my proposal. The app is free, so just download it. Like, right now and leave it on your phone as a reminder to check it out whenever your favorite sports pick back up, hopefully uh, sometime somewhat soon. Or if you're feeling extra philanthropic, you could buy Pennant Premium right now and help out an in indie dev. For your money, you'll unlock a detailed team and game stats, a historical data that goes back a few seasons, a little bit longer if it's baseball, and the ability to set a favorite team. And also it'll remove all the ads that are in the app. Uh, you can find the app in the app store by searching Pennit or going to pennitapp.com. And seriously, I cannot recommend this app enough. All right, back to the show. Uh, so I guess we can move on to Toolbox Pro itself. So this was last November, right? Whenever this came out? Yeah, that's right. And uh, essentially, this is just a giant suite of add-ons to the built-in iOS Shortcuts app. Is that a, is that a fair way to describe it? Yeah, that's perfect. can not have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, like you said, you didn't have a background in programming at
1: all. How, how did you even get started on this? So, I mean, I was quite into... I sort of discovered Shortcuts quite late um, because it was obviously previously Workflow before Apple bought it. And I sort of missed out that whole period really where people were sort of buzzing around it but I'd always been quite interested in automation I'd used like tools like um, better touch tool and hazel those sort of um, tools on the mac a lot but I hadn't really done anything with iOS because it's obviously quite locked down Um, but when all the news came out that Apple uh, had bought workflow and it became shortcuts I sort of got interested in it and started looking into it um and I started i think there's um there's a subreddit uh on Reddit called shortcuts where people just post these like crazy shortcuts they've built um that can do these you know um really impressive things uh, and I got quite hooked on that and started building my own shortcuts uh and they just became more and more complex <laughs> uh, and I was sort of waiting to see what Apple would do with it because obviously when the uh, sh- workflow team suddenly had this sort of keys to the castle at Apple I was sort of expecting you know every Apple app would then suddenly open its doors to be able to be automated with um, shortcuts and that sort of didn't quite happen but at WWDC last year um, I was watching the sort of keynote uh, because I'm sort of quite interested in Apple even though I'm not a uh, developer I'm, I'm obviously a bit of a nerd so I definitely like follow the, that stuff really closely uh, and I was watching their keynote, um, and obviously the Shortcuts team were on stage uh, and announced that um, third-party developers could create their own actions inside of Shortcuts, uh, which sort of caught my attention, because I thought, oh, that would be, you know, my sort of mind was reeling over what what sort of possibilities that could open up. Um, and then I remember watching, like, another, another WWDC video, uh, which was showing the... Um, I think it was like a progression in machine learning and their sort of vision framework. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is really cool. It's like a um it's all, all sort of machine learning based um image recognition technology uh, and it's like the first release of it in iOS 13 where basically you can feed it an image and it will just um throw out a load of text that it discovers in the image and it does it all sort of on the on the Apple device. Um and I remember seeing those two and thinking, "Oh man, that would be like a really great shortcuts um, tool. Like if you could just have that as an action and have all that power just in a sort of drag and drop action, that would be like amazing. Um, And so I thought, oh, maybe I could build that um, quite naively Um, uh, because I'd sort of opened Xcode maybe like... A year before that, because I was just sort of interested in sort of tinkering around and and just sort of experimenting. But I was totally put off; like I couldn't get my head around it at all. <laughs> UI kit was completely like impenetrable to me. Um, but of course, Apple also announced Swift UI, uh, which is obviously the um, declarative uh, framework for building apps. Uh, and like all the slides they showed on stage, obviously made it look like really really easy to build. Uh, so I thought, oh, that's a great opportunity. I'll just uh, use that instead. So I think the, the combination of all of those things together um, just really sort of opened the doors for me and, to, and made it sort of much more approachable. Um, and all those Swift is obviously, um, it's still sort of very early days. That was like, it just it totally changed my view of how you make apps, like because it just felt so much more visual. Um and you could sort of see live the updates that you're making. And that's that sort of really made it work for me, I think. So was this your
0: first foray into like Swift? Had you done any programming before or like website
1: design or anything like that? No, I think I'd done, as I said, I'd done a bit of AppleScript. Um, and I'd sort of learned a couple of bits of sort of JavaScript here and there. If I wanted to like, um, you know, do a bit of automation. Um, but really, I didn't know how to code at all. I I think using, like, making big shortcuts, like, weirdly enough, is actually a lot of the sort of, um, you get a lot of the, uh, the sort of programming language. You sort of get a lot of the, the feel of how a programming language fits together, although it's like vastly simplified. Um, I think I sort of outgrew, outgrew that and, and wanted to sort of see what the next stage would be. That is like so crazy and impressive
0: because uh, that yeah. that would have been June of 2019 until November of 2019. You went in that amount of time, you completely learned like
1: all of those different concepts <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not sure about completely learned. Wow. Well, I okay. mean, there, there's so many resources out there, um, to help you. Like, I remember, uh, you know, Paul Hudson has hacking with Swift. Yeah. yeah. You've sort of read that stuff. I mean, that it was like, um, a game changer for me because there were so many sort of examples of Swift UI and how to build those sort of apps. So I was, I was sort of just diving into it head first, really. Like, I still, um i'm mostly sort of swift ui native i suppose like i'm i learned swift ui before i learned ui kit right. i mean i still don't really know ui kit <laughs> i i don't know ui kit <laughs> <laughs> no one does do they it was just m- mucking the way through um yeah so i was sort of doing all these uh he, he has an app, I think, called learning, uh, hacking Swift or learning with Swift or something. Um, but it, it's got all these sort of tutorials. So on my sort of commutes into work, I'd be sort of, um, doing all those little tutorials and just trying to sort of teach myself the basics. Um, and when I get home in the evenings, I'd sort of just be plugging away on my laptop and, and trying to make things work. Golly, it's, it's so crazy because like
0: we've been talking about shortcuts and lots of the, sort of apple punditry and you know all of us in this world i feel like we all talk about shortcuts like it's this really cool gateway into software development because really the concepts are like in software development are like there's loops there's you know a sort of uh string of running a bunch of commands and you can throw things in variables and loop them and whatever and shortcuts is just sort of a visual abstraction on that and we've all been talking about it like it's this cool foray teaching the next generation of people to like actually learn coding or something like that and then i feel like the same sort of rhetoric was used to talk about swift ui like it's making ios development way more accessible to more people but it's like you are like this perfect encapsulation of somebody who's done both of those things in a very uh quick amount of time but like sort of proven out how accessible those things really can be um and that
1: I don't know. It's just really cool to see that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, as I said, I'm like, my maths is terrible. I'm sort of definitely not, um, a natural programmer, I would say. Um, but the fact that I could build an app um using sort of swift ui and using these amazing tools that apple have built is really sort of a testament to what they've managed to build and i think that i mean that's definitely going to be the future isn't it um especially if if there's sort of an xcode on the ipad one day i I wonder if they're going to sort of continue um adding that sort of simplification to make it easier for people to get into it yeah i mean i guess it's a similar thing to what they did with uh
0: final cut right like it was sort of frustrating if you were in the the Final Cut, you know, Pro 7 world whenever they radically rethought it and sort of sort of simplified it or at least made it more accessible if you were moving from iMovie into the Final Cut Pro 10 or whatever you call it X now. But I've heard from so many people who are like YouTubers now that that was sort of their they were sort of guided through this path of learning like, "Oh, I'll start with this free thing I have." And it's just on my computer already, sort of like Shortcuts is with millions of teenagers' phones now. And I just want to make it do this one thing. And then, oh, I just want to make it do this one extra thing. And then eventually you run against, like, some sort of wall that you can't get through. And that's where you start poking into the more complicated version of it. And like you said, if they, if they can bring Xcode into the iPad you would think they would do that in a way that's maybe a little less uh, daunting than opening Xcode on the Mac is right now, where, you know, it's pretty... If you're coming into it blind, having never done, like, full-fledged IDE development, it's it's a pretty daunting thing to, like, look at uh, from the beginning.
1: And I don't know, that that, that is really interesting. Yeah, I think the... Um, yeah, as you say, like, opening Xcode uh, is so daunting. And there's definitely just that... Um, there's that really steep learning curve right at the start where as soon as you get your head around it and it starts making sense and it sort of um, feels like much smoother sailing from then on. But I imagine that puts so many people off. Um, so if you can you can simplify, you know, even with SwiftUI, just giving that sort of instant visual um, feedback loop so that you're seeing something that you're building straight away. And I, I guess they've done it with... Um, playgrounds as well
0: yeah yeah so you
1: can you can be typing stuff and seeing sort of visual stuff come to life like that's you you get that real um uh adrenaline kick i think when stuff starts to work and you start to have that impact and i think that's that gets quite addictive then yeah that's why i feel like web
0: development was always the sort of recommended thing Uh, because you could or or like those game engines Uh, like jordan morgan i had on a couple episodes ago and that's how he got into programming because he was the same deal it's like i'm terrible at math of course programming wouldn't be wouldn't be the place for me but i mean most of uh programming isn't really you know trigonometry or calculus or anything it's hooking things up and trying to make you know these pixels show up on the screen in a certain way and so if you can get that quick feedback loop uh it gets addicting
1: very quickly. Yeah. And um, Google skills have found yeah, that yeah. seems to be the uh, the uh, top skill. Searching stack overflow. <laughs> so
0: with Toolbox Pro, uh, so it started out as a project. Were you initially planning on releasing it as an app or was it sort of a like extending your own personal shortcuts at first?
1: Um, I, I suppose it was... I sort of had in my head that I definitely wanted to release it and that i wanted to charge money for it but really i didn't know where it was going to go or how big it was going to be i just sort of started creating a couple of tools i think i think the first one i created was the um the optical character recognition one using that vision framework so i think it took me i don't know probably like 2 or 3 weeks just to get my head around everything um and i remember just running a shortcut like after i'd been coding like all night um and actually, working like feeding an image in and getting text out, um, and I think as soon as that was working, I thought, "Oh, that I've got, like this has definitely got something to it." Um, and my mind sort of started, you know, trying to work out all the other different tools that might be useful to people. Um, so I think as soon as I had that one done, I basically released a really, really early beta, um, and I posted it on the Shortcuts Reddit. And just started sort of um, having people give me feedback and sort of uh, come up with suggestions for other tools that they wanted to see, um, which was really useful. Like I didn't put a limit on the beta at all. So I just um, put the public link there and just let people see this sort of really early draft thing that I was working on um, and obviously let everyone know that I was sort of new to this and I was sort of um, stumbling my way through it. Um, and I think before, I think that must've been like three, over three months, I probably had about 3000 people in the beta. Um, so I could tell there was sort of some interest behind it. Um, I think, you know, the iOS, um, automation world is so sort of locked down that anything that's, um, looks like it might sort of move the needle just slightly and, and introduce a bit more power to people, um, obviously gets sort of noticed, um, so I just sort of kept plugging away and building it. And I sort of, I had ambitions to release it for um, iOS 13, sort of when that came out, <laughs> which was really ambitious and like, I didn't make that at all. Uh, and I think it was, end- it ended up in, it must've been sort of mid-October where I sort of had something that I was fairly happy with, but. With the sort of release of iOS 13, there were still some sort of bugs in shortcuts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I
0: was going to say, uh, with the
1: state of shortcuts, it's probably better that you didn't make that initial release. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't. Like, that was that was the slightly frustrating thing. I was sort of at a point where I thought, okay, this is sort of uh, – yeah, I mean, it's not – it wasn't sort of polished and it wasn't perfect. But I felt like um, the actions within shortcuts were sort of uh, useful enough that people could sort of use it and um, – you know, get get a good uh, amount of use out of it. Um, but there was this sort of, uh, yeah, there was this killer bug in it that basically meant I just couldn't release it. So I ended up having to wait until 13.2 um, to actually release the app, which was slightly frustrating. But it didn't mean I could sort of spend more time, you know, getting everything else right.
0: Yeah, I feel like that beta... Because I did a similar thing with Dark Noise, again, with no limit on it, because <laughs> to me, it was like anybody downloading this and using it is exciting just because I didn't really anticipate it being that big of a thing in the first place. But I think building that big group and in your case, you definitely had a like community around it, I think, because of how people are making requests and you're sort of fulfilling them as they go or whatever. I think I first heard about it because... I think it was Stu Mastruitz who was constantly like tweeting like, oh, it'd be cool if Toolbox Pro should definitely add this right here as a shortcut or something like that. And I was like, oh, what's this? And then I would see that sort of popping up all around Twitter as people sort of making requests uh, that you just sort of throw it into your little utility app. And so it seemed like there was a huge wave of interest and hype leading up to the launch well before the actual launch happened
1: yeah i think yeah i mean there's definitely a bit of a community building up with that and i think you know this the shortcuts community on reddit is really amazing community there's about 130000 people i think um and people are sort of constantly helping each other out and posting questions about how they how they can build shortcuts or um if they're having problems with them and often people ask questions about um, you know, obvious things that they think shortcuts should be able to do, um, that it can't. Um, so I'd sort of look through all those posts and I'd make notes of all the things that <laughs> people were sort of expecting it could do that it couldn't. Uh, and I'd sort of add that to my to do list to sort of see if I could make that happen. Because I think, you know, if I could sort of be answering all those posts saying, oh, actually, this can, you know, shortcuts can't uh, natively do that. But actually, if you download Toolbox Pro, it can. Um, I thought that'd be a sort of good way of of um, spreading the message, I suppose. And I think the advantage of shortcuts as well is that there's a sort of natural virality to it. Um, because yeah. if you're sort of building um, your own shortcuts um, and you're using Toolbox Pro actions uh, and you want to share that with someone else so that they can do the same thing, then obviously they have to download Toolbox Pro. So it's, it's sort of uh, gathered momentum that way, I think.
0: And I'd say that, that's the case, even if you're not doing a shortcuts utility app, because I I can say like it's pretty frequent that somebody will post a shortcut of like their bedtime routine or whatever, and it will include dark noise. And almost always there's at least one comment on there that's like, oh, what is that? And then, you know, that's whenever I'll see because they'll tag me or something. And I think just adding that shortcut support uh, even to just any app, basically, is a good way to potentially get people like you said, it's sort of a viral uh, a thing where it can naturally cause conversations to happen because people like sharing their shortcuts. And if you're in their shortcuts, then that sort of naturally lends itself to some free promotion.
1: Definitely. Did, so did you, um, you didn't have shortcuts in the launch of Dark Noise, did you? Um, I did, but it was iOS 12. Uh, okay. So it was like
0: the, uh, it was just, let's see if I can remember now. I think it was just the like play pause actually i think i had all of no i had all of the different sounds because
1: um it it was just not the parameterized shortcuts uh that's right yeah yeah so it's slightly slightly harder to sort of work work them in wasn't it because you had to um people had to use them in the app and then go to shortcuts and it's slightly less user-friendly i think yes although (laughs) because of all the bugs with uh, ios 13 it (laughs) in some ways it's
0: almost worse now In, in other ways it's better it's it's definitely like my one big iOS 13 feature that I was like, oh, I'll release 12 and then I'll just start working on 13 and I'll get these parameter shortcuts in and it'll be great. Everybody will be excited. And that ended up taking so long. And to this day, it's still sort of buggy because I ran into all sorts of issues like with the amount of suggestions that you can make programmatically. So like whenever you start my app it goes through all of the sounds that are in the app because if i make an update you know it'll add new sounds or whatever and it adds those as suggestions as opposed to uh them all being sort of registered in uh i don't remember all the specifics but you know i mean like you register them in the like capabilities tab or whatever and for some reason in ios 13 they just sort of randomly dropped down the amount of suggestions you can have to 10 (laughs) i think And it was like one of those things where I was tweeting, like, what am I doing wrong and trying to figure it out. And I think some people from the shortcuts team sort of reached out and eventually I heard back like, Oh yeah, that that's on purpose. It's supposed to, it's only going to show you the last 10 that you added or something. And it was like, what? (laughs) So (laughs) luckily I, because I have parameterized shortcuts now, you can, you can then do a parameterized version where it gives you the list of all of them that you can pick from, but the parameterized ones can't run in the background yes so that's tricky with your audio exactly so like i have this weird thing where it's like the last number of sounds you played it'll show the last 10 in a version of a shortcut that you can play in the background but those all have to start with the word play because it has to use the media version that's the only type of shortcuts that can play in the background the media intents and they have to have the word play at the beginning uh so like everybody asks for a pause shortcut and i have to have a shortcut that's called play pause sound (laughs) because it has to have the word play at the beginning because if i don't include the word play at the beginning then it's not going to be able to run in the background so it's it's just like one of those it's definitely early days and there's all sorts of weird uh things and i'm sure you know you have like a thousand of those stories i
1: know you ran into the limit on the amount of shortcuts you can even have right yeah. I mean, I, I've got to be like the f- the first person to hit this problem, I think. <laughs> um, cause you know, when you, when you submit, um, a binary to Apple, you upload your app to the app store. If there's a problem, like they do a sort of automated search of the app and look at the code. Um, and if there's any problems, then it will send you an email saying, you know, this, um, this app can't be submitted because these are the problems and you need to fix them. Um, and usually they're sort of pr- pretty simple things. Um, but I had one come back. Uh, it must have been like a month ago or something that said you can't have more than a hundred intents, uh, <laughs> which which are shortcuts. I thought, oh no, uh, that's like uh, that's going to be a real problem. <laughs> yeah. So I basically yeah hit hit the limit so obviously no app has uh more than 100 shortcuts actions obviously
0: yeah that would be ridiculous why would anybody ever want that (laughs) exactly
1: yeah so i think that's probably the first time that error has um come back to a developer i think but thankfully i sort of got in touch with the shortcuts team and filed rate uh feedback not radar (laughs) and over a couple of weeks they they fixed it hopefully so i'm just about to submit a new build actually and um i'll see if i'll see if that comes back again but fingers crossed uh, yeah, fingers crossed it's it's fixed. Uh, so one of the other things that's really cool
0: what you, with what you did with Toolbox Pro is just kind of the design of the app. So it's sort of like a lot of the uh, talk about it has been about the fact that it's a headless app. You know, the whole point of the app is that it injects a bunch of shortcuts into the shortcuts app. But I feel like you actually did a lot of cool stuff with the app itself whenever you open it. So you kind of turned it into almost documentation of sorts of what's available and you sort of built it in the style of the shortcuts app. What like sort of sent you down that route?
1: Uh, probably a lot of experimentation I think <laughs> when I was sort of just starting out and trying to work out what I wanted it to look like. Um, obviously I'm, I'm using Swift UI for probably like 98% of the app. And as you say, like the the main view is a list view that just lists all the tools that you can sort of search and just tapping each one will show you um, documentation about the tool. So that seemed sort of fairly straightforward and that's all the app was for quite a long time. But then I sort of thought that I need um, some examples to show people because it's quite hard to sort of get your head around if you're not into shortcuts initially so i added a tab that would just be an examples page of all the sort of different things that i've built um using the toolbox pro actions that other people could use um, and i think yeah inspiration wise there was definitely um shortcuts was obviously the inspiration because it's it's like a uh it's like a collection view it's not a collection view it's sort of a swift ui side scrolling view or whatever it's called but it's just each block has a different color uh, depending on the category um And one one little fact actually is the, the colors that I've chosen were based on a picture of a Californian sunset. Oh. So it goes from this sort of yellow to this sort of deep midnight blue, which I thought was, sort of felt quite different and unique. Um Yeah. And I suppose I was just trying to make it as user friendly as possible so that someone who hadn't used shortcuts before could just sort of. Scroll through these big blocks of examples and just tap one, download it, and then see it in action straight away, and hopefully sort of get the gist of, of what the tools are meant to be doing. Yeah, I really like that in that examples tab. You have a section of community
0: uh shortcuts, and I, like I feel like that sort of lends itself to what we were talking about earlier. Of like, uh, it's not even building a community, but taking advantage of that community that already exists around shortcuts and that excitement. Where did you get Where did you get those? Are those just sort of ones that you? plucked from the shortcuts subreddit
1: Uh, yeah so uh, I have uh, an email address that people sort of send ones to Um, it is slightly tricky actually like it is great because to see what sort of people are building with shortcuts and I really wanted a way to sort of bubble those up uh, within the app and I need to sort of add more I think But as soon as you are sort of putting community content in, then you sort of really have to sort of um, go through them and make sure there's sort of nothing nefarious that's been slipped in and and all that kind of stuff as well. But yeah, I I just wanted sort of um, to show what other people are sort of building with the app, I suppose. Um, and that seemed like a sort of sensible way to do it. Um, and I've also got sort of links to um, the Toolbox Pro subreddit and Twitter where I sort of shared, uh, you know, I, I tend to sort of retweet things that people have built with the app. Um, so hopefully there's, there's sort of different ways that people can sort of see what's going on with it. So as it got close to launch, did you,
0: did you do any sort of specific marketing efforts or just kind of leaning
1: on that, that big beta group that you already had? i mean uh i your blog post actually was like a really um useful bit of information for oh. me sort of when i was when i was um coming up to launch time because you obviously laid out for anyone who hasn't read it like you've laid out you know everything that you did with dark noise who you reached out to uh you know that you posted it on the apple subreddit um all this sort of stuff so i sort of used that as a bit of a playbook i think um and just sort of worked my way down Doing similar things that you said worked for you and, it, and that really helped me actually. So uh, thank you for that.
0: Well, that that is really cool to hear. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird too, because that was based on so many things I've read from other people. Jordan Morgan being probably the biggest one. Right. And so it's weird to think of this like sort of train of uh, recommendations and advice moving through the blog sphere. I should,
1: I should write a blog post really do, yeah. doing the same thing so that someone could find it and uh, trace it back through, through all the different layers. <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess like I didn't, uh, I heard your conversation with Jordan and it was funny that you're both saying that you didn't reach out to press because that's something that you both wrote in your blog posts and something that I said I should do and just didn't do as well. <laughs> I sort of sent it to Mac stories a bit sort of later in the day when I was sort of, um, happier with how it was sort of coming together. And I was really fortunate that Federico Vicucci, um wrote an amazing article um, soon after it came out.
0: Yeah, it, more than an article. It was like a, an opus with all the things that he himself has built with it. And that that was really great. I'll link that in the show notes if
1: anybody wants to see that too. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like 8,000 words. It yeah. totally took me by surprise when he came out with that. It was absolutely amazing. But I think the, the best thing about that was that I could... Um, I could send it to my like parents and my friends who sort of had no idea about what I was doing. Uh, and they could sort of read it and get an idea of, of what the actual app was, which is sort of much, it was explained much better than I sort of was explaining it to them. That was 100% my experience.
0: Uh, I was building it and it was like, oh, yeah, Charlie's building this little thing. You know, mom's proud. I'll tape it to my fridge kind of thing. And then Ryan Christoffel for Mac Stories wrote, wrote up a, a review. And again, same kind of thing. Like, they're so good at writing. <laughs> it it <laughs> sold it a million times better than I possibly could. And, uh, when I sent that to like friends and family, it was always like, oh, wow, this is like a real thing, isn't it? Like, yeah, that they are very good at what they do. And, uh, it it was cool to see them pointing at something that you did. I, did you find that, like, whenever I read the review that Ryan wrote about dark noise, it was like somehow he actually caught all these little details that I didn't think anybody would ever catch and... It made me wonder, like, is he? Are they floating all sorts of things that I would never have noticed in the apps that I'm using now, just because they happen to catch it and write about it?
1: Yeah, I mean, there must be, and and I found especially was <laughs> Federico was sort of coming up with all these use cases in the future that he could sort of see for the app, and I was sort of reading along, going, "Oh yeah, that's a great idea. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good idea." Sort of adding adding to them to my list, being like, "Yeah, I was thinking about that all along." Yeah, that's definitely been part of my roadmap this whole time.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So aside from uh, getting that awesome Mac Stories review,
1: how did the launch itself go? Uh, I mean, it it really blew me away, actually. Because, I mean, obviously I had 3,000 people in the beta and I sort of thought, I mean, because the beta is free and it was out there and I was posting it in the sort of Shortcuts communities. And I guess I wasn't expecting many more people to join. I sort of thought everyone who'd be interested in it probably would have downloaded it because it was just there. And I'm glad to say that that wasn't the case at all. <laughs> I sort of had to, had this sort of um, hope that I'd hit 10,000 downloads. That was my sort of um, my ambition. Um, and I think in the first week, I hit about 17,000 or Ooh, something. Wow. Um, so, it really like blew me away. And all the feedback I was getting was like so positive and seeing like articles and especially um, like globally, like it's not... Um, I haven't done any um, language translations on it at all. So, it's all sort of English at the moment. Um, but it was still being picked up in all these sort of different shortcuts communities around the world. So, I could, I'd suddenly get loads of um, Russian emails um, asking questions. And then I'd suddenly get loads of Chinese emails and then French emails. And you could just see when these little pockets of sort of global shortcuts communities were sort of um, finding out about the app as people wrote about it. So, that was like really, really exciting. Man.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. So... Then, like uh, from launch, what was sort of the the playbook? Like, obviously, you had a huge list of things that you wanted to add, and I know you've added a lot of uh, a lot of new actions since then. But what what was the way of like moving forward after launch compared to before, or was it pretty much the same kind of thing as the running the beta was?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think obviously, I just had. Um, like a huge amount more suggestions so it was really a process of putting all those suggestions down um and trying to work out which ones were like feasible and which ones i wanted to build um, and which ones were sort of resonating with people in terms of what what shortcuts they were making
0: yeah how so with the amount of like being a free download uh up front at least and the massive numbers that you got i assume you're just getting like inundated with uh, email and suggestions and support. How are you handling that?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I definitely wasn't sort of prepared for how much I was going to get, I think, Um, perhaps naively, because I I didn't think it would get as many downloads as it did. I thought it was sort of quite a sort of geeky little niche that (laughs) wouldn't get that many downloads. (laughs) It's a very big, geeky little niche. (laughs) A big, geeky little niche, yeah. Uh, So I think... Really, um, I just sort of opened the fire hose and I gave like an email address and I've got a Discord server uh, and like a a subreddit. Um, And really, I mean, I I don't get a huge amount anymore. Really, I get suggestions and I tend to just add those to my list. Um, and then if I get tech uh, questions, then I'll just fire off an email back, and it doesn't really take up a lot of my time. It tends to be like on my commute to and from work that I'll just fire off a couple of a qu- uh, couple of emails a day. So it doesn't feel like it. Um, it hasn't been manageable. That's not. That's not bad then. Yeah, I, I was starting off by putting everything into things and I was just sort of putting headers of like uh, tool bugs and app bugs uh, and tool suggestions and app suggestions Uh, and I found it all got a bit um, (laughs) a bit hectic when it was all just going into things and I just had this like really really long list so a couple of weeks ago I ended up splitting it all out and just sticking it all on uh, Trello boards uh And I found that to be sort of uh much more easy for me to sort of visually pass you know what I need to do um and what's sort of more urgent and not and I, it's quite sort of satisfying when you can just drag one from a sort of bug board onto a sort of f- fixed board and you get that little pop of confetti and it's uh that's quite satisfying so i'm sort of that's what that's what I'm working with at the moment, yeah, that's what I've been using uh
0: my company does everything hyper kanban, so that was sort of where I naturally moved towards and I found kind of the same thing it was a lot easier to like have you have like separate columns for because i i have a somewhat similar thing where people are requesting sounds like specific sounds and that's different than you know a feature request or a bug report or something like that and uh for me because and it's i assume the same with you it's a side thing so like there might be days between when i can work on it and if it if i'm working on something and it then goes a couple of days before I can finish it. It's nice to have, I have an in progress column. And it's literally, there's only ever one thing in there, but it's kind of like when I start working on a bug or something, I'll throw it into that column. And if I go a couple of days between working on it, uh, it's nice whenever I first open
1: up Xcode and then I'll open up Trello and I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's what I was doing. Yeah, it's really useful. I've got the same thing actually, just having that sort of in progress column but um i'm not quite as disciplined as you of i mean i should just have one thing in there at a time but i always end up having about five or six because yeah. <laughs> i end up like trying to fix one bug and getting frustrated and then like wanting to do something like i've quite find it quite satisfying like building new tools so if i'm getting frustrated with a bug then i'll just like move on to creating a tool and then come back to it and Yeah, so I need to probably be more disciplined about that. Well, uh, I might be disciplined enough to only have one in the column, uh, but
0: often whenever I move that one in the column, I realize I need to move three or four other cards uh, from ready for dev all the way to done because I do the exact same thing. (laughs) Good. It's not just me then, that's right. um so uh the last thing i asked this of rosemary last week and i kind of i kind of like the idea of asking people this uh leading up to maybe wwdc um what would you like to see coming out of apple this year uh whether it's a wwdc or whatever they're going to do uh with like ios
1: 14. i mean i mean it's quite exciting for me i suppose because i mean what what i've been doing for toolbox pro is essentially sort of going through a lot of their sort of APIs to work out what shortcuts can't do at the moment that I would like it to be able to do. Um, so what's quite exciting for me is if iOS 14 has new frameworks that I can introduce into shortcuts. Um, so for example, the vision framework that I was talking about with the optical character recognition that they announced last year, um, it looks like they're going to be supporting um handwriting possibly this year i think the rumors are sort of saying oh yeah yeah and i think there's probably it'll support more languages at the moment it supports english only so for example if those came out then that's something that i could put straight into the app um and people could use straight away so like that's pretty exciting for me uh in terms of the sort of back end of shortcuts um the sort of biggest change i'd like to see is the sort of memory management of it Um, because essentially you get quite a small uh, amount of memory to play with um, as a budget when it's running in the background. Right. Um, So I have lots of actions which um, I have to run inside the Toolbox Pro app and then spit the result back into shortcuts, whereas ideally I'd want to keep inside of shortcuts um, so it feels like a sort of native action. Um, so if there was a sort of increase in that limit or a sort of different way to return results back into shortcuts, that would be the sort of um, probably ideal thing for me. How about you with dark noise? Is there anything that you're sort of um, desperately waiting for? Um, uh, not so much. I Because I move so slow,
0: uh, I have a decent like product roadmap out just of like features that I could have supported years ago with the way the frameworks are. So I'm not really like desperate for anything in particular um obviously you know better background uh better like audio related things siri in particular is a little uh rough especially if you're trying to like support siri on the home pod uh through the app because you can make all that you can register all those things but it tends to be it's, it's a little rough right now like if you ask for it to you know play crickets uh from dark noise and you specify my app it Sometimes we'll play crickets, and sometimes, even though it recognizes the exact word that you're saying, sometimes it decides it's a totally different word, and we'll just (laughs) try to play locusts, which of course my app doesn't have, and so then it'll just go to (laughs) Apple Music and find a song that has the name locusts or something. So it's some weird (laughs) machine learning thing, because it's doing translations of... It'll translate like cricket to locust or something weird like that it's not just it's mishearing what you're saying so Uh, right there's there's a lot of like siri improvements i guess uh when it comes to my app but most of my feature requests are more from the user uh perspective than from the developer perspective yeah i'm sure (laughs) uh so the final question i always ask everybody on the show is what's a person that has sort of inspired you in your work that you'd recommend other people check out
1: i I guess i've got two actually because um obviously as an editor i've got quite sort of different um, inspiration and if i was recommending someone on that side of things uh there's an editor called michael hart who's this amazing editor and he's done some really cool things recently um and you probably haven't heard the name but i think you probably heard what he's what he's made um so he did a documentary called three identical strangers i don't know if you've seen that oh man yes excellent so that was amazing it's so beautifully cut um and he also did the most recent um netflix series called don't f with cats okay i've heard people talking about that (laughs) yeah that's super cool as well he's like he's this amazing editor he's got this really um cool style of sort of telling telling stories out of order a lot of the time um and using sort of um uh holding back uh information um as he's telling a story so it's like as an editor he's he's a bit of a hero at the moment yeah that three identical strangers was definitely in that category where it's an
0: interesting story even if you tell it straight but the way it was told is like, you're on the edge of
1: your seat, like, what's going to happen next somehow throughout the entire thing? Yeah, it's just every time you sort of think you've got a handle on it, they'll, they'll just drop another bombshell. Yeah, yeah. And you get all these sort of twists and turns, and it sort of ends up somewhere that you don't expect um, it to go when you're starting. So, I think yeah, I love the sort of documentaries like that. So, that's, that's my uh, – I try and sort of do that stuff with my documentaries. So, um, he, yeah, he's a bit of a hero. And then I suppose, like, on the iOS side, um, David Smith – Um, is definitely a sort of inspiration because I love that he sort of, he jumps straight into sort of frameworks. I like he made um, Pedometer++ and Workouts++ and all that sort of stuff. Um, He sort of tends to get on board with um, new frameworks really early and try and be the sort of first one um, making apps that sort of make use of those. Um, so that's definitely sort of an inspiration and, and definitely what I was trying to do with Toolbox Pro, I suppose, is, is be the first, um, using a sort of new framework that Apple's released. And hopefully is what I'm going to sort of try and do, um, with newer releases as well. Yeah. And speaking of like
0: inspirations for, you know, launching and, and being a developer, his podcast that he does with Marco Arment, uh, Under the Radar is incredible and i listened to that from first episode all the way through to like catching up uh leading up to the launch of dark noise and it was it was like an invaluable asset so highly highly recommend
1: uh that podcast yeah i'm a big fan of that too i'm, I'm slightly behind actually because I've, I've just been on holiday so i've got some catching up to do but yeah i listened to that religiously as well all right well uh thank you so much for coming on this was this was really really fun yeah man thanks for having me on it's been great so uh how can people find you and your work um so on twitter uh, the best one to follow is toolbox pro app and then the website is toolbox so it's nice and easy to remember uh, and then on twitter my personal account is mr alex hay and my editing stuff is AlexHay.tv. so there's there's four different uh ways to get in contact there awesome and uh, thanks for listening. And we'll see you guys hopefully in
0: two weeks. Although who knows what the world's going to be like when this episode comes out. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to discuss the show, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Chucky C or tweet the show directly at Launched FM. You can also discuss the episode with me, other listeners, and sometimes our guests on our dedicated subreddit r slash FM. If you like the show, I'd really appreciate a rating or review in Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Breaker, or whatever your podcast of choice happens to be. And you can find show notes and more at launchfm.com.